come, Lord Jesus, come. Fall a fresh spirit. Thank you for your word. Thank you, God, Heavenly Father, that you have given us your word and that you tell us it will not return void. It is powerful. It has authority. Remind us of that, God. We pray, Spirit of God, that you would illuminate these words to the eyes of our hearts. Thank you for your generosity, Lord. We receive it with joy. And we pray this together in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, we are in the fifth week of our Follow Jesus Together series. We've been looking at this invitation to follow Jesus. That's what this series is. It's about an invitation to a journey of growing in Jesus and going with Jesus on his disciple-making mission. This idea that when Jesus said to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you always. This truth, that this is an invitation for us, not just to grow in Christ, not just to grow in our knowledge through his word, through prayer and discipline, uh, through, through worship, but also to, as we are growing, to be going. To be a people that are going. As, uh, we've been looking at these different markers of, of, of disciples of Christ. Disciples are followers of Jesus. We've been looking at these markers of, what, of, what, of, of, of traits that, that, that we seem to see in people who are followers of Jesus. We've talked about prayer and Bible reading and worship and, and service. And today we're talking about joyful generosity. We're talking about joyful generosity. In this series, we've been encouraged to take what they call an online assessment on our website. You look at these seven markers of following Jesus to kind of get an assessment of how we're doing. Where, where, where do I really grow at? Where, what, what, what comes easy to me? What are some, we would say, growth areas for me that I, I could do better in my walk with Jesus? I took it thinking, you know, I'm Pastor Logan, I'm gonna ace this thing, right? find out that joyful generosity seems to be something that, that I could grow in a little bit. That there's something about my own heart or my own attitude towards opportunities to give that, that I need to reassess. And I've been thinking about that and reflecting on that this week as I've been looking at this passage and, and thinking about how, how do we talk about this together as a church, this call to generosity. So Thursday, I was at lunch with one of my best friends, this guy named Sype Vanderdusen. And I was telling him, you know, this week I'm preaching on joyful generosity. And I kind of wanted to, whenever I kind of need some like extra inspiration, I like to talk to Sype. And uh, so I said, I'm preaching on generosity. And he kind of gave me this look, it's a little sour look. And I was like, oh, you know the look. It's like, oh, he's not happy about what I'm, and so I leaned in and said, what's wrong? You don't like the title of my sermon. And, and, and he, and he kind of paused and thought, you know, as we think about what it means to follow Jesus, are we, is it really about us being generous? And he said this, and it kind of stuck with me and caused me to pause and think about this whole sermon. He said, calling ourselves generous 
seems to intimate that we, out of the goodness of our hearts, part with some of our possessions, and that we are therefore able to bless others. That seems to completely sidestep the basic recognition of God's sovereignty and goodness, and that everything is his already. So I'm like, great, it's Thursday, I gotta preach a sermon on Sunday, and you're telling me, you know, I need a different title. So we came to this, I think, more appropriate title of joyful offering, a joyful offering. And I looked at this text today, I could have preached on all sorts of different texts about generosity or offering, and I love this text in Luke chapter 19, because I believe when we talk about the relationship between generosity and offering, is there's this key element, this gospel truth that we need to be reminded of on this Lord's day. And here's the truth that I believe should shape the way that we think about our offering, the way that we think about the way that we view our treasures, the ways that we give to the work of the Lord, God's call in our life to give joyfully. And here's the truth. Joyful generosity comes from Jesus. Joyful generosity comes from Jesus. Jesus is the fount of every blessing, amen? He is the one who who gives to us. And out of his generosity, we respond in worship. We respond with our offering. I love seeing the way that this happens between Jesus and this guy named Zacchaeus. You guys heard about Zacchaeus? Remember when I was a child, we used to sing this song, something like this. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, right? And a wee little man was he, so he climbed up in a sycamore tree. You guys remember the story? Remember the song? The Lord he wanted to see, right? Whenever I read this story, I think about that song. And in the story that we see, I believe that we see this truth front and center informing and changing Zacchaeus' heart and bringing about this response. Because we believe that Jesus is the ultimate source of joyful generosity. He is the generous one. How can I say that? Well, the first thing I would say that we see in this text that produces our offering, our response, as we think about the joyful generosity of Christ is this. And this is such a grace. This is such a gift to you and to me. And it's very simple. Hear this. Jesus sees you. Jesus sees you. Anybody ever feel like no one sees you? Think of my my youngest daughter, Ruth. It's hard being the youngest one. And oftentimes she feels like she can never get a word in. Oftentimes I find myself praying for Lord, help Ruth to feel that she's seen. And here in this passage, we see Jesus walking through Jericho. We see this truth that he sees you. He sees Zacchaeus. Look at what happens here in Luke chapter 19. If giving you a little context, Jesus is coming through Jericho. There's some great background to Jericho. This guy named Joshua had this interaction. We sang that song, Do It Again. 
today, walking around these walls. It's about him and Jericho, and, and there's a whole story, and Jesus is, Jericho's here, and Jesus is walking in this space, and he's just healed this blind man. We've just seen this incredible act of grace and generosity from Christ our Lord to heal this guy who's been blind his whole life. And he has this interaction with Zacchaeus. It says this, it says he entered Jericho and he was passing through. Kind of like Chowchilla, we're usually a place that you pass through, right? We got a Starbucks. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was rich. Now pause there first. It says that he was a chief tax collector. This meant that he oversaw the collection of the taxes. The people of Israel, the Jewish people were under Roman occupation. So they had to pay their taxes to Rome. And so what Rome did is they would recruit the local Jewish people to help collect and, and Zacchaeus was one of those recruits. And his job was to go and collect the taxes. But not only that is, not only did he go and collect the taxes, it tells us that he was rich. And scholars tell us, as they look at this time, that the reason he was rich is that the tax collectors, they, they had to collect what was for Caesar, but they were also allowed to collect above and beyond what was required. And so the tax collectors oftentimes were really greedy and they would take advantage of the needy, of, of the people, and they would ask for more, and then they would have this extra wealth. And so Zacchaeus, it says that we know that he was rich and he was a tax collector. He was probably not the most popular guy in town in Jericho. As a matter of fact, he was probably the kind of guy that when he walked down the street, you could see people whispering about him. He's probably a guy that when he showed up, there was anger. He's probably the guy that people wished they could get, get alone to, to have some words with, but they knew that if they did that, they'd be in trouble. He's a weasel. He's a weasel. He's the last guy that you should pay any attention to. He has not earned anybody's attention. He has not earned anybody's friendship. As a matter of fact, he's a traitor. And it says that he was seeking to see who Jesus was. So I imagine he's sitting and he, he's developed this reputation and he's heard about Jesus. He just healed this blind guy. All these crowds are, you know, following along. But it says on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. I imagine, or what we would say he was a wee little man. I imagine not only as he's, as he's trying to get to Jesus that nobody even cares about letting him get to Jesus because he's Zacchaeus, he's a weasel. We don't care about you. So, so he ran on ahead and he climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him for the Lord he wanted to see. For us, he was about to pass that way. So Zacchaeus, he says, okay, so the Lord's gonna go on this way. He's on his way. Maybe I, I just gotta see him. I just need, to, I just need to, to get a glimpse. I need to see if this is legit. Or maybe he's thinking, maybe there's someone I need to tax. I don't know. It says, and look at this in verse five. It says, and when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said to him, 
looked up and he spoke to him. Don't miss this. Jesus is on his way. Jesus, who just healed thousands of people, he can probably stay anywhere. It says that he looked up. He didn't just see Zacchaeus. He acknowledged him. He paid attention to him. Nobody else had. Jesus sees you. Jesus sees you. And this is, seems to be a narrative as you look at the life of Jesus. If you read in the gospels, Jesus never seems to be interrupted. Have you noticed this? There's plenty of interruptions, but it seems to be that for Jesus, interruptions are not interruptions, they're simply opportunities. Go read his story of, of, of he's on his way and this, this woman touches him and he's healed and he stops and pays attention. He sees her. Children come to him and the disciples say, hey, we don't got time for the kids. And Jesus says, let the little children come to me for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And he's walking and as he's walking, he sees this guy in a tree looking at him. Jesus sees you. This is the generosity of our savior. Don't miss this. Don't miss the generosity of the eyes of Christ. But not only does he see him, look at how he speaks to Zacchaeus. In verse 10, it says, I'm sorry, um, continuing on here in verse five. He says this. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. Look at what happens here. What's the first thing Jesus says? Does he say, hey, you guy in the tree? Does he say, hey, weasel? No, he says Zacchaeus. Have you ever walked into an uncomfortable place or a party or kind of wondering if you're accepted and somebody walked up to you and they called you by your name? There's something powerful about people knowing our name. And Jesus sees Zacchaeus in a tree, and he, our Lord, says Zacchaeus. He says his name, a name that is often associated with a weasel. And he says, come down, for I must stay at your house today. Hey, hey Zacchaeus, not only do I see you, hear this, I'm coming over. And I'm staying with you. I'm not staying with, with the Pharisees. I'm not staying at the local hotel. I'm gonna stay with you, Zacchaeus. Look at what happens here. So he hurried and came down, and Zacchaeus, it says, received him, Jesus, joyfully. And when they saw it, this is the crowd, this is all the people that are gathered around. When they saw it, they all grumbled. They all grumbled. Now, it doesn't say just some of them grumbled. Nobody's cool with this. The whole crowd is like, this ain't right. He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And isn't this true? That oftentimes, if we're not careful, 
we don't see people the way that Jesus sees them. At the generosity of Christ, sometimes we don't have the eyes to see the Zacchaeuses and the hope of a savior for them. We say, oh, that person's too far gone, or they have hurt, so, they have hurt me or hurt this community, or they, they've done so much, they are lost. But Jesus' radical generosity does something completely different. He doesn't just see Zacchaeus. Look at what happens here. He insists on coming over. Jesus insists, that's the second point here. Jesus insists on coming over. He insists on coming to you. And this changes everything for Zacchaeus. He says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming over. Hurry down. Powerful. So beautiful. I think there's something to this as we think about the generosity of our Lord. As we think about the beauty of the gospel that Jesus sees you and he insists on coming over. He's relational. He wants to be with you and we'll speak on this more in a bit. And this changes everything, friends. This generosity of Christ changes everything. Jesus' generosity changes how we think about our treasures. We see it, it seems to be almost instantaneous in this passage. The generosity of Christ to Zacchaeus in seeing him and insisting on coming over and accepting him changes Zacchaeus. Look at what happens. It says Zacchaeus stood And said to the Lord, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. In light of what Christ has done, in light of his his generosity, his his relational generosity, his acceptance of Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus says, I'm going to give half of everything I own to the poor. Not only that, if I've defrauded anyone, and by the way, he's rich, so he has. If I've defrauded anyone of anything... I will restore it fourfold. Something happens in Zacchaeus out of the generosity of our Christ our Lord. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house. Jesus says, something has happened here. Something has happened in this home. Since he is also a son of Abraham, says, I believe the Son of Man did not come to, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost, right? Verse 10, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus insists, friends. This is, as we talk about offering, as we talk about the call in the scriptures for the people of God to hold our treasures, to hold our finances, to hold our things loosely, I believe this should be what informs the conversation. That the generosity of Christ our Lord should inform the way we think about our money, the way we think about our treasures. 
in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is preaching to his disciples, to people who follow him, and he's talking about the ways of the kingdom. And he said this, he said, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy. Did you know that you can't take any of the stuff here with you, right? Where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves, hear this, treasures in heaven. Great discussion this week. What is that? What are treasures in heaven? Where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. And then here's the principle. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Beloved, as you think about a joyful offering, my question would be, what do you treasure? Where's your treasure? I think for many of us, we look at the story of Zacchaeus and we need to be reminded we have a God who didn't just come and for Zacchaeus, who didn't just come for the blind man, he came for you and he came for me. That God in all of his majesty, this Jesus Christ, the son of God, fully God, tells in Philippians 2 that he emptied himself, that he became a man, that he, he moved into the neighborhood, that he took on flesh, he lived a perfect life, lived among us, and then where does he go? In all of his glory, does he go to a throne? No, he goes to a cross. And on the cross, it says that he died, he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. That through him, we, our treasures change. We get to experience the very righteousness of God through the work of Christ. Do you see this? The generosity of Jesus changes everything. And it should inform our offering. The question I've been asking myself and I'm asking you to consider today as you ask yourself, how, how will you follow Jesus in this? How will you follow Jesus in this? And the first thing I would say is this week, as we reflect on our week, as we reflect on our days, is I would say practice joyful giving. Practice joyful giving. There's a passage in Corinthians that says this. It says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a what? A cheerful giver. Practice joyful giving. And I believe that if we start thinking about this, if we start practicing asking the Lord to help open our eyes to see the opportunities that you're going to have interruptions all this week that are not interruptions, they're actually opportunities. Do you see this? That all this week, you're gonna have interruptions that are opportunities for joyful offering. To say, this isn't mine, Jesus has done it all, he's given to me, and I would love to bless you or just give you my time. This is the call of God's people. This is why we do a weekly offering here at Cornerstone to invite the beloved, the people of God, to worship God through our tithes and our offerings.
It's a piece of our response to his goodness and his grace. So I would encourage you, if you're like me and maybe you're a little lower on this assessment, maybe I, I tend to be a little cynical when there's someone's asking for some help or there's an opportunity, I tend to think, oh, I tend to think of all the reasons why I shouldn't give or why I shouldn't pause and pay attention. I just feel the Lord correcting all of us in our busy lives that maybe part of our challenge of living generously, of living as people that are providing a joyful offering is actually not so much our finances, but our calendars. That we are so busy, we are so full, that we don't have any margin for interruption. And perhaps a part of the generosity of Christ is allowing him to have us hold our calendars a little looser. Practice joyful giving. If you have resources to give, be ready to give. If you don't have resources to give, give your time. Give your attention. Can't tell you how many children there are that are starving for their mom or their dad to pay attention. Way more than the money. Practice joyful giving. But don't miss this. We can stop right here and miss the whole point of the gospel. We can stop right here and say, okay, we're all gonna do better. We're all gonna give more. We're all gonna, we're all gonna turn interruptions into opportunities and we are gonna change the world. Brothers and sisters, can we change the world? No, Jesus does. And the key of our call is right now in this moment, the reason we come to worship every single week, the, the reminder every week is the gospel call that right now in this moment, you and I are called to do what? Receive Jesus joyfully. This is what changes everything for Zacchaeus. It says that Jesus sees him, it says that Jesus insists on coming over, and then it says that Zacchaeus goes down the tree, he walks up, and he says that he received him joyfully. John 1, 9 says, the true light, which gives light to, the, to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not, what? Receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become what? Children, relationships, children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of the man, but of God. Or as we like to say here, because Jesus changes everything. As anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. And so as you reflect on this truth, perhaps the Lord is stirring in you to, 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 to think about what it looks like to live a life of a joyful offering, 
I would encourage you to embrace grace. Worship the king who offered it. We need to look at the story of Zacchaeus and not identify with the crowd, identify with Zacchaeus. The gospel says that you and I are the weasel. (laughs) And Jesus sees us, he insists on coming over and, and all that it takes is you and I receiving him. And this is the call of every single one of his disciples. You don't just receive him one time. We constantly receive every day. His mercies are new every morning. And this is what we're called into, to walk in this truth. Have you guys seen what's been going on in our country? There's a bunch of negative things, but I've also heard the last couple weeks about this little university called Asbury University. Kentucky, small little Methodist university. And they were having a chapel service. And there was this pastor dude who was preaching and it was just a normal chapel service and it said that he preached and invited people to the altar. And he left and texted his wife and said, well, I think that was another stinker. Something really interesting happened. Something about that moment there were these young Generation Z, young college kids that felt inclined by the Lord to stick around and keep singing. And they kept singing and they started praying and, and it seemed that other, other people started hearing about it and, and they started coming and, 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 and more people started coming and then there was this, this repentance and this, and this outpouring of the Spirit and, and this testimony and, this, and, they, and they kept singing and they kept singing and they kept singing and one hour turned into 24 hours and 24 hours turned into two weeks. And thousands of people all over the country started hearing about this and thousands of people all over that region started coming to this and thousands of young adults, young men and young women started coming to this space and it wasn't some sort of like emotional manipulation. They were just singing songs. It's a little, if you watched online or I would encourage you to watch it, there's nothing spectacular about that. But God shows up and I believe the key to these kind of moments is not the songs we sing, it's not the life. It's not the preacher. It's hearts that want to receive Jesus. It's hearts that want to see him continuing to change us. And that doesn't just happen in Kentucky. It can happen right now today. And it can happen in your homes and in your work and in this world. And it is happening. And I want to invite you to worship. Second service, we can go a little long, right? Get your Bibles, go to John chapter 12. Play behind me, Almodor. I want to read you about a, I, I promise I'm closing with this. But I, I, I didn't get to do this in the first service, and I think we missed out. There's this moment that happens in John chapter 12 that I believe is a picture of what it looks like to be a people who receive Jesus joyfully. It's extravagant. Look at what it says. So six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus has raised from the dead. Okay, Jesus is hanging out with Lazarus and this lady named Mary and Martha. Lazarus once was dead, he was resurrected. Read that story, crazy. It says, so they gave a dinner for him there. 
Martha was doing her thing, she was serving. And Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at table. Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. And says the people in the room were questioning Mary and Jesus affirms her. Says that this, this, this oil that she was anointing him with, it says, it's, it, we learned that this was about three months' wages for someone. And she was most likely anointing him for his death. And she recognized that the best thing that we can do to Christ is to worship him. And so when we think about our gifts, when we think about our money, when we think about our stuff, the best thing we can do is this extravagant response, not because we have to, not because we should, because we want to. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. I want to invite you to worship God. Let's say a prayer. And we're going to sing this wonderful song called I Speak Jesus. And wherever you are sitting right now, I want you to invite, I want to invite you to continue to worship. To spend some time with your brothers and sisters here in the church to sing to God to sing over your family, to sing over this family, to sing over your life, to sing over your darkness, to sing over all that weasel stuff that we got going on in our lives. And to know that Jesus sees you, Jesus insists on coming over and that he's changing you and to receive him. If you feel inclined, you're welcome to come forward and pray down here. If you feel inclined, you're welcome to grab Pastor Doug or myself and pray with us. If you just wanna stay right there, let's just sing together Let's just be reminded together that Jesus changes everything. Let's pray. Lord, we are so grateful for your generosity. God, when we hear the word generosity, I pray that doesn't spark some sort of attempt at virtue or some sort of attempt that, that we would be better, but that we would see you, that we would see you and you loving us, serving us with hands that have been pierced by nails, hands that have bled your righteous, perfect blood for our sins, hands that have done something about it and that you invite us in. And I pray, Spirit of God, that in this moment, we together would do what you call your children to do, to worship you. To speak your name, your name, Jesus, means Yahweh, God saves. And in the same way that you said, salvation has come to this house, I believe, Lord, that you are bringing salvation to the households in this space. So come, Lord Jesus, come. Come, Spirit of God, come. We worship you. Amen.